0: Today we're going in our series on um, what has become known as the Beatitudes. Jesus' eight statements of the blessed life. And he kind of, in his uh, statements listed there in the Sermon on the Mount, he sort of turns things upside down as, as, as the way people conventionally thought of things. And so um, you might want to think of it as an aha moment. Anybody ever had an aha moment? Um, where you're like, man, every way I was thinking about that, and that actually wasn't right. Anybody? Please tell me you've had one, because otherwise, I just don't even know. Okay, in other words, you know, you go thinking about something a certain way, and it feels right, and everyone's sort of amening you and saying, yeah, that's the way to think about it, that's the way to think about it. And then something happens in your life, and you realize, wow, I think I was thinking about that completely the, the wrong way. And. Uh, certain things sort of wake you up. The thing you also need to remember is this, when Jesus gives these statements, um, certain people, certain segments were going, oh, thank God he finally said that. Just thank God he said that. Have you, ever, have you ever had that experience? You were in a, a classroom or a church or somewhere, and somebody said something that you always felt was true down here, but no one ever said, and then they, they say it, and you go, Oh, I'm so glad he said that. I can tell you both hands I have. All right. Uh, you also need to know there were people in the back going, Uh-oh, he said that. There were people grinding their teeth, sharpening their pencils logging on to their blog Right while he was speaking because what he said was at the same time an amazing comfort and relief to a lot of people and at the same time an unbelievable threat Are you with me to other people this I don't know if everybody gets this it was unbelievable relief probably for the majority of people the masses because the masses are just like you and me, just like not that really, honestly, that good at church or religion. A couple of you I know are standouts. We know, <laughs> right? But the most of us were just, and 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 the few people that it caused angst to were the people that had this system and it worked to their benefit. And so it was at the same time an unbelievable relief and an amazing challenge. It depended on who you were. You get it? Let me say it to you this way. Um, When you think of the Beatitudes, think of, um, have you ever been in a situation where you needed to kind of lie to your kids? I know you won't raise your hand in church, but... Okay, the plane is going like this, and and you see this alarm on your child's face, and they say to you, Mommy, is everything okay? And you say... Everything's fine and inside you're going god help me if i'm dying anybody like this like And, and the, what you're wanting to do is you want the truth you want to get, I want to go to the pilot and say what in the world is going on and And so th- it's just the way it works And so there are certain things you want to say to certain people in a certain audience listen listen But you would never say that to your little kid you just protect them No, everything's fine, honey. Everything's fine appropriateness Some of you that are really stodgy. You're already struggling. I just say the truth no matter what. No, you don't no you don't The reality is you gain the wisdom what it says in proverbs, right and a a a fitting word at an appropriate time It talks about in proverbs In other words, there's a right time and a right place to say certain things Which is why it can be a struggle when you're doing things like this because when I say certain things I want some of you to plug your ears and I want some of you to listen and then I want to say other things I want some of you to plug your ears and the other ones to listen why because of certain things appropriate at a certain time if you're struggling and hurting I want you to hear certain, I want you to hear the words of relief blessed are the pure in heart you don't have it all together on the outside but God's not looking on the outside he's looking what on the inside but then there are some people who all they do is play that game play that game play that game and they need to kind of get it together so here's the thing. Think about discernment. And before I even launch into today's message, I want to go back to last week's because people, you know, they have questions. And certain, ear, certain hearers hear, thing a certain, hear things a certain way. We talked about, blessed are the merciful. And um, you got to remember, Jesus teaching these beatitudes, they're squishy. What does that mean? They're not rigid, hard, like, mm, you did this, so you're out, therefore you're... They're squishy, merciful. It's squishy. I mean, yeah, you kind of get it, but you don't know exactly every situation. And some people will say, well, that means I should just let people walk on me. And just, No, it doesn't mean that. Sometimes you need to... Listen carefully. Some of you need to be merciful to yourself. Some of you need to get out of a relationship that constantly demeans you. My permission, right? Not easy way out. Not I tried it for a week and I'm talking about if there's an ongoing annual, you know, and people say, well, I just should be merciful. Yeah, but sometimes you have to be merciful to yourself. In other words, here's what I'm trying to say. These statements are black and white. They're ideals. They're things that Christ was calling us to. The idea and the concept of mercy. You always need a discernment. Because these things, they're not like the laws. They're a little more interpretive. And this is what Jesus calls us to. And as we proceed today, you're going to see, they're more inward than outward. Today, Matthew um, 5 eight. Ready? Blessed are the pure in what? Let's say it together. Blessed are the pure in heart. One more time. Blessed are the... Pure in heart. Happy are the utterly sincere, one translation says. The sincere. Is it frustrating when people aren't sincere? Is it frustrating when people operate from the laws, the rules, rather than from the heart? Now here's the problem right away. Think about it. It's easier to have rules. I mean, just you look it up in the book. Did he follow the rule or didn't he? You're in or you're out. But every one of us has been in a situation. Anybody see Meet the Parents? Huh? Adam Sandler goes up there to get in line and he's going to get on the airplane. Is it Adam Sandler am I getting all screwed up? or yeah? Uh, ben Stiller, sorry, they're all the same to me. All right, Ben Stiller, thank you, Mo. All right. Ben Stiller gets, yes, that's why you weren't with me in the, in the thing. And he gets in line, and, and there is nobody in the whole concourse anywhere around, and they call for boarding for these particular rows. And he steps up because there's no one there. And the lady says, excuse me, sir, I haven't called your row yet. He looks around, and there's absolutely nobody there. But this lady was going to what? Go by the book, right? And, of course, it's an extreme example to help us laugh a little. But we've all had that experience. Or someone was just going by the book and you're like, look, obviously I can board. Obviously it's okay. This was, if you followed or read the Gospels, this was a theme in Jesus' ministry. He was always going from the heart and going against a system that always went on the external. This is the rule. Well, this is the rule. And as you know, he broke one rule after another. Dare I say, in the Bible. One after another, after another, after another. Why? Because people read the thing wrong, and it was, it was about the external rather than the heart. Now think for a minute. Before we're too hard on the opponents of Jesus, Pharisees oftentimes labeled Sadducees, you know, scribes, lawyers, religious leaders in his day. We have to remember, we all do that. We all look on the outside. We all have a tendency to focus on the external. The other day, I went to buy frosted mini weeds. Frosted mini Anybody? Huh? Oh, you should get some. And I went to get some frosted mini weeds, and I happened to notice that the Kroger brand was half of the Kellogg brand. Is anybody with me? Can I get a witness out there? Huh? Guess what happened when I brought them home? Not the same enthusiasm, friends. Not the same. Frosted mini-wheats belong in an orange box. Very happy orange. Not in a Kroger yellow. No matter how much money I saved. Huh? And I don't care how much money you save. Take that stuff back to Kroger and get me the happy orange frosted mini-wheats. In other words, we do it. We all do it, right? We buy stuff based on its what? And, we, and we we're bought in. Once we love that package, that is the package. That's the way it comes in. Um, I was going to send. I was sending my Friday email about three times on Friday, and it just didn't happen. I never got to the send button um, for a number of reasons most of which are about 22 inches long and uh, in this in this email i was going to talk about when i was a kid the cool thing was to be packaged externally packaged in a shirt that had an alligator on it is anybody my age what i've heard is it's come back around is it true if you're young if you're as old as me, don't, don't agree. Cause you don't know anything anymore anyway, really. So, but the thing was, uh, sad to say, I never achieved alligator status, never got there. But man, I would look at the kids at school and go, man, if I could get an alligator on my shirt, See, I mean, and think about it. Just think about how much, anybody remember junior high, how much you bought into that? Some of you still have, so that's okay. Uh, it's you just, you buy in, you're like, man, look at this kid, he's so cool. And there is nothing cool about what he did or said or treated anyone, anything internal, but immediately he got an alligator on his shirt, right? Now, you know what happens right away is somebody's going to knock it off, right? Somebody's got a lizard or this or that. My mom, we always got the lizards, right? <laughs> we always got the almost alligators stuff. So humiliating, you know what I mean? You just wanted to cut it off and stick something better on it. I mean, this was the reality. I wasn't going to have the package. But this is human nature. This is actually what all of us do. Whether we're even willing to admit it or not. We judge people based on our appearance of them. We just do. Oh, that guy looks put together. Oh, man, she looks sharp. Oh, this guy. And it, to be truthful, we make decisions based on whether we're scared of somebody or not, whether they could be dangerous. Many of you have been surprised to see some, we'll call him a stereotypical biker guy, right? All tatted up, all this and all that, and find out he's the biggest softy known to man. Your first instinct is, uh oh. Sometimes we've met people who, on the outside, seem so pious, so religious, so spiritual, so in with God. Then you have a conversation with them, and they're bigoted, racist. In other words, we have to take the time to go a layer deeper it's difficult if you think about jesus ministry for a minute he was always being accused with eating at the house of a sinner talking to an unclean woman doing this and doing that Everything that was about, these are the people that are out, clearly. And these, these are the people that are in. And Jesus spent too much time with the people that were out. Now, let me just give you a scenario of what things were like in Jesus' day. In his day, you had a clear list, a clear set of people that were pure. And then you had a list of people that were impure. These words are Blessed are the pure is is a very intentional selection. Because the pure, they they were ceremonially pure. This person can go to the temple and can worship. They're allowed in. They're pure. Um, all over Jerusalem, if you ever go, you'll see they have these baths, these mikvahs, where you go down into the water and you cleanse yourself so that you are pure. One of many things that you needed to do, but you needed to be ceremonially pure. You had to do certain things. Go in and take the mikvah. Come out and be pure. So there were a list of things that you did that made you pure. And if you were pure, you were in. You were allowed in. And then certain people were not allowed. So here's a, here, just think about this. Here's a list of the things that were on the pure side. Ready? Male. Men. Huh? Come on, men. Pure. Women. Ready? Ah, uh, sorry, gals. Impure. This is how it was in Jesus' day. You were impure. Just because I'm a woman? Exactly. Just because. So you just need to know this. What everyone thought, how they thought of life and et cetera, is they thought men were pure. Now they had to do their bath and they had other things, but the, the default for a man was pure. The default for a woman was impure. Someone just told me this week, Certain, I don't want to cast aspersions, but today certain things: if a lady is on her, you know, monthly, she can't take communion. Churches today, men, pure; women, what? Impure. That's how that's how it was thought of in Jesus' day. If you were Jewish, you were default pure; Gentile, default what? Impure. See the separation? See the lines? If you were rich, pure. See Chris, really? Is that how they... Why would they think that way? This is important. Because they assumed wealth was a sign of God's, what? Blessing, favor. So they connected it. Well, certainly this guy is doing God's stuff. And um, let's just... a, A little bit of honesty... Anybody, anybody ever here have a year where you were not so godly, but you made a lot of money? No one's going to admit it. Sure. And anybody here ever have a year where you were all that, like, you were all the good godly thing and you just went in the tank, right? In other words, that just doesn't work. So the assumption was male, Jewish, wealthy. Of course, if you were poor, you were what? Impure, poor. You're impure because obviously you did something wrong, and that's why things aren't going well for you, and you don't have God's favor. What about your health? You say, "Well, who cares about? I mean, health? We just have compassion." Oh no, 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 my friends. If you had a disease, you were what? Impure. Remember Jesus hanging out with the lepers all the time. Impure. It's not just that, oh, wow, we should have compassion. Look what these people are dealing with. It's like, oh, no, keep them out of our temple. They don't belong in our religious system. If you were healthy, you were what? Pure. That's us too. We're, that's human nature. Our first reaction, unless you've been involved with healthcare for a long time in your life, first reaction is when somebody looks a little diseased, you kind of want to go, can I get that? Is that True. This is how they saw it. These people are pure. These people are impure. And all of them have one thing in common. And what are they? They're all what? External. Jesus comes along and says, Blessed are the pure. Pure was a loaded word. This or that in heart. In other words, all these people, right? It's not about their sickness it's not about their poverty their gentileness, their femaleness or any otherness it's about their what heart Jesus is upending the entire system do you get why there are people in the back who were already revving up their blog against him who would be revving up the blog the people who benefit from the system meanwhile the masses are going ah oh. it says the the common people heard him gladly they're like ah oh, that seems right to me that seems right to me that men look on the outside but god looks where people started to recall the story of prophet samuel going to the house of david which at that time was the house of jesse Jesse has all these sons, and Samuel is told one of those is going to be the king. Go and anoint him. And, of course, Samuel arrives. Jesse is there to greet the prophet, and the prophet says, The Lord's told me to anoint the next king from your house. Go bring all your boys in. Didn't bring the girls in. That's a whole other story. Is that correct? Correct. They bring all the boys in and the prophet goes from one to the next to the next and he keeps waiting for the green light, right? No, 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 no. And he's frustrated. He's like, this is it? This is all the boys? Jesse says, yes. And then God speaks to Samuel in the story and says this. The Lord says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. By the way, just watch the, did you watch the E60 on Muggsy Bogues? Five foot three, change the NBA forever at five three. Another story. Don't look at his height, his appearance, for I've rejected him. In other words, I've not selected these guys because they're tall or they're handsome. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. Another translation is this. Man looks on the outside. God looks at the what? Heart. Now think about this. This is so hard to control people this way. Right? What are the systems? I want to control you. I got to tell you exactly what to do. By the way, it's stunning to me how much control people would give me in their life. Chris, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm not telling you what to do. As if I could somehow... God looks at your heart. Every look here. God looks at your what? He doesn't look at your church attendance record. Let's stop with this nonsense of how God looks at our life. He's got this big list like Santa Claus on steroids, checking boxes and looking. God just looks at your what? Heart. God looks at your heart. He sees good. Sure, you messed up. Sure, I've messed up. God sees your heart. Any parents here ever force your kids to apologize to someone? A sibling? Who's ever done this before? This is a lot of fun, isn't it? Go apologize to your brother. Oh, the love just gushes, doesn't it? Oh, the the, the electricity in the room. I mean, it's just a love fest. Isn't it? You go apologize to your brother right now. I mean, you're like cussing him out the whole way into his room. You're calling him and you go in there and you say the obligatory because it's this or spanking or whatever the thing was in your house. I don't know what it was in your. I'm sorry. Sorry. And then you're hoping that she heard enough to be satisfied. Are you with me? But. You're hoping that he didn't hear enough they he got any satisfaction out of it. Is this is this true? Yeah. I want him to get no satisfaction out of this. I just need to appear. I need to do the minimum external. I gotta tell you, if I could summarize what most of religion has been for most people, it's that. It's the forced apology. It's I will do the absolute whatever it is. Just tell me the minimum, Chris, to get in. Just the St. Peter's pass. I just needed a minimum to get in. But it's missing the whole, it's missing the point entirely. Happy, blessed. Not get to heaven, not happy. First of all, God's calling you to a blessed life, to a happy life, to a fulfilled life, to a satisfying life. First thing you're not gonna get straight is it's not about the next life. The next life is covered, trust me but you're missing the big point. What Jesus said is happy are the pure in heart. First and foremost, this is a good thing for you. Not something you must do or else. It's something you're gonna wanna do. It's something you're gonna wanna do. Anybody ever taken up exercise after a long time of not taking up exercise? Did I say that politely? And you're thinking in your head is, I don't want to do this. This isn't going to be good for me. But somebody tells you, you know what, you might. And then when you do, a few things start to happen. You start to feel better. You start to, all of a sudden, these endorphins are released into your system. And you realize, wait a minute, this is actually good for me. This isn't something I have to do or else. This is actually something I might want to do. But I never thought I would want to do it. What Jesus calls us to is a life. And as he said, in its most abundant form. He's not trying to call you to forced apologies. He's trying to call you to an entirely abundant way of living your life. Try this confrontation. The disciples following Jesus' lead are breaking some of the rules. I mean, by the way, once you get this in your system... It changes fundamentally. I think it was, I have to remember who exactly said this, but best said to me, understand the law so well that you know how to break it. If you think about it. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Why aren't you doing the thing. Why aren't you following the rules? Why aren't they? You shouldn't be letting them do this. Can I just say something a little bit about Orchard Grove and me while I'm here on a little side tangent? Can I for a minute? What Jesus did, he didn't call people to conform externally. He was trying to change their heart. So he wasn't the parent in there, get in there and apologize to your brother. He was talking to the person about their heart. And hoping that when enough time went by, their heart would change and they would voluntarily go in there. I'm not saying that's a bad parenting technique or not. I mean, I think we've all been a part of it at some point, which is why we were all laughing. But what Jesus did was slower. I just want to talk about this person's heart. Why? Because if a person changes here, they'll do all the right stuff out here. It'll come naturally to them. It'll just flow. The biggest thing that we gotta change is where? Here. That's it. Jesus said over and over again, you know, if a good tree, if a tree is good, it will have what? Good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's gonna have bad fruit, it doesn't matter. You can duct tape all the plastic apples you want to it, don't matter, it's diseased. But if you get the heart right, if you get the tree right, if you get the root right, roots. If you get the root right, the fruit will be right. If you get the heart right, the rest will be right. Jesus kept getting accused of all this stuff, hanging around with sinners. Why? I've been around a lot of sinners. I happen to be one. But I, I it doesn't stress me out about people's external... It doesn't stress me out. I'm not trying to change anybody's external. What I always care about is their heart. So Jesus always got accused of being shallow, of being soft, of being all of these things. It's the same thing that I get accused of all the time. Like, well, you're too soft. Well, listen, listen. I'm not here trying to tell everyone what to do, forcing their apology. All I'm trying to do is to get down to the heart. And guess what? If your heart changes, you're set free. You're good to go. You make every right decision. You'll be good to people you normally didn't want to be good to. You'll be healthier yourself. You'll be a better part of society because your heart is changed. By the way, you can go your whole life and you can get really good at religion and never change your heart. Listen to me, I'll say it again. You can get really good at religion and never change your heart. Be the cold, cantankerous, crudgy Huh? You want me to go on? Same person. But master a couple of the external things. People will praise you in churches. That's what Jesus said the Pharisees were about. He goes, look, they worship me, right? They worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Quoting Isaiah. He's like, they get it on the outside, but they never get it on the inside. Think about the relief for the people that struggled on the outside. Now, before we close, I want to talk for a minute about how. You say, Chris, I see what you're saying. Like, we should just focus on the heart. How do we do that? Let's say all of us have some heart transforming yet to do. I'll assume you're in a little. Still some heart transforming to do. That is to say, that I, I, want, I want to be at the place in my life where I do the right thing naturally. Okay, I'm not connecting yet. Has anyone gotten really ticked off in the last couple of weeks? All right, now we're connecting. Okay. Somebody really made you mad. Somebody cut you off. Somebody offended you. Somebody did something and you resent them or you got feelings. You're anxious or you're angry. Anxious and angry. Here's what I just do want to say. From what I've read, it's possible. It's possible. Where feelings of resentment can actually go away. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm on the journey with you. I'm on the journey with you. Just tell me you're on the journey, please. Just tell me you're like kind of thinking about a little bit of change. Move a chair, something, anything, rearrange. How do we do it? How do we transform our hearts? Because right away, it, it, your heart and your mind it is, is just running off. You ever ever that saying, someone's running off at the mouth? Anybody? And if you get socially acclimated, you learn to shut her down. But what happens is you're running off at the mind. It's just you've got enough social graces or you want your job or your friends or whatever long enough that you just shut out this one. But you're still, your mind is like, right? Those are all cuss words. Whatever they are. Whatever they are in your world. I don't know there are things they're negative they're right and someone happens to you and and you're immediately this is what you feel it's down here is it possible that that can change and I'm gonna tell you I think so we know it from people like Jesus who walked and who could just forgive so how would I ever would that ever happen to me first of all let me say this be patient it's not gonna happen overnight you're not going to read a book and then bam. You're not going to say a prayer and then bam. It's, but it's possible. If you go out on the lake, I have a great privilege to live by a piece of land that has a lake right there. And oftentimes I'll go in the morning or at night. Best time's in the morning early and the sun's coming up and you just sit on the dock. Before anything's been moving around, just a few fish. The sun comes up, you can see all the way to the bottom. Clear as day. Watch a couple of fish swim by. Crystal clear. Fourth of July weekend, not so much. Right? and boats and things and everything and you go out in the lake and it's like this gorgeous lake and it's just been churned and churned and churned and the weeds have been churned and the dirt's been churned and the muck's been churned and, and it's just what's the difference? Activity and calm. Listen carefully. Calm leads to clear. Calm leads to clear. Say it together. Calm leads to clear. One more. Calm leads to clear. What do we like to do? We like to rev the engines. Stir it up. Stay in the action. But what would Jesus do? What was his practice? Can I just say this? A lot of times what we've missed in the, in the whole Jesus story is we've missed rehearsal. We've missed practice. What are you talking about? You don't just show up on a basketball court and play a game. You're not outstanding. You practice and, practice and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice So that when you're under pressure and you're in this game, you've done it so many times. There's so much muscle memory that you're not affected by the crowd or the intensity of the moment. It just flows. You just come down there. You feel it. You pull up. You take the shot. It falls. It's just natural. What a lot of people try to do in their Christian life is, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, but I just want to show up to the game. I just want to show up and be loving. I just it says he went he withdrew on a mountainside to pray. We miss that. That's practice. He withdrew and he spent the whole night in. What's he doing? He's stilling his mind. There's no activities, no video games, right? There's no wrestling with ideas. There's no news commentary, this, arguing that. It's just stealing the mind. Calming it. I've even noticed in church, it's like people need it to be going, Mach 10, rah, rah, rah. It's like we're addicted. We're addicted to it. And you have to break that particular addiction. You stop. And your mind... That's why it says in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. Be still. It doesn't really... hmm, it really doesn't do a lot for us in our society because our society is built on action. And by the way, action's good. I'm all for action. We need action. But there's some little secret recipe that Jesus had. He would always pull away. Remember? He'd pull away from the crowd. Where, where, where's Jesus? Oh, he's, <laughs> he's up on the mountains. Now. Everybody has a different life. Everybody has a different schedule. Everybody has a different job reality. But here's the thing. Find some time and place, maybe a daily rhythm where you calm your mind. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it a prayer time. Some people call it... To, but, but here's the thing. Where you connect with God. And you aren't making decisions and judgments and evaluating people and condemning people, blaming people. Doing, you're just... Restoring your soul, as David said. Be still, and then you know. The pure means this not divided. So, like now, while I'm giving the message, some of you are listening intently, some of you are listening partially, and also thinking about when I'm going to be done. How this compared to last week. Blah, blah, blah. The other things that you're thinking about. And that's okay. That's partly human nature, right? Anybody, you're driving down the road, you're thinking about driving, but you're actually thinking about seven other things. That's true. That's human nature. Helps us get a lot of things done in life. But there's something that happens if you learn to just still it, just quiet it. Here's what I want to challenge you with this week before we close. I want to challenge you to find a place to just quiet your mind. Maybe if it's a passage of Scripture that you like to read, that you don't have to look into a lot, but you could just recite it, you know. Maybe if it's a a, a lake in about six months from now. uh, But seriously, maybe it's a beautiful snow-covered forest. doesn't matter. Those are the times when life becomes focused, simple. And you don't have to be two people at once. You can become one. And I'll give you a closing thought. You've had these moments, so have I, where you were all there. That's why adrenaline junkies do things like they jump out of airplanes and they ride bulls and they, because you can't be thinking about your accountant when you're running from the bulls and that's why they do it. I'm just telling you, that's the simple reason I can't worry about, ah, my accountant is this and that and what kind of laundry soap are we using? I have to be completely, I run from the bulls because I have to be completely in that moment. I'm all there. That's why guys play golf. That's why they hunt. That's why all these things, that, because they're all, it gets all of them there. That's just why we do it. And that's such a valuable thing. But you need to be able to do it not just so that you have to have an adrenaline fix every time you do it. Find ways that you can do it on a daily basis. Be all the way there. Blessed are the pure, the complete, the undivided in heart. For they are We'll see God.